I want you to go in your Bibles to Acts chapter 7. Acts chapter 7. And so we have been in a series called DNA. And so we've been talking about the DNA of our church. Our church name, Church 1132, it comes from the book of Daniel, chapter 11, verse 32, the, the last part of that scripture. It says, those who know their God will be strong and do great exploits. A couple of weeks ago, we talked about knowing God. Knowing God is encountering him. Everything we do, it revolves around encountering. Everything we do revolves around that encounter and then fuels the rest of our living. So we know God, we become strong. Becoming strong, we said, it, it, it is synonymous with finding freedom. So last week we talked about freedom. Now when you know God, you encounter him, you be strong, you find freedom, then you do great exploits. That's what we're going to talk about today. Doing great exploits. You know what's interesting? It, it says do. Do is an action word. It doesn't say think about great exploits. That's how most of us do it. Man, I'm thinking about doing something great for God. Not, not think about, do. It's an, like we got to move. Do. We got to do great exploits. Acts chapter 7. This is the account of Stephen, who was one of the first martyrs in the Bible. He was being killed, and uh, they were stoning him to death. And he's there, and, 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 and before he dies, this is his last speech. And he really gives an overview, a recap of, of, of the Old Testament and how God has moved through the ages. And he recaps this story of Moses, and that's what I want to give you today. Acts chapter 7, verse 20. It says, at that time, Moses was born. I'm just going to stop here for a second. I got a long ways to read, but I want to tell you this. You were born at a specific time for a reason. It, it, I already said it was an accident. It wasn't an accident. You, you were born at, Moses was born at a specific time. You were born at a specific time, and he was no ordinary child. For three months, he was cared for by his family, and when he was placed outside, Pharaoh's daughter took him and brought him up as her own son. Moses was educated in all the wisdom of the Egyptians and was powerful in speech and action. When Moses was 40 years old, he decided to visit his own people, the Israelites. He saw one of them being mistreated by an Egyptian, so he went to his defense and avenged him by killing the Egyptian. Moses thought that his own people would realize that God was using him to rescue them, but they did not. The next day, Moses came upon two Israelites who were fighting. He tried to reconcile them by saying, men, you are brothers. Why do you want to hurt each other? But the man who was mistreating the other pushed Moses aside and said, who made you ruler and judge over us? Are you thinking of killing me as you killed the Egyptian yesterday? When Moses heard this, he fled. He ran to Midian where he settled as a foreigner and had two sons. I'm going to tell you, life will do its very best to get you to settle. I'm pain, trials, I'm crisis. It'll get, try to get you to settle. So he settled as a foreigner and had two sons. After 40 years had passed, an angel appeared to Moses in the flames of a burning bush in the desert near Mount Sinai. When he saw this, he was amazed at the sight. As he went over to get a closer look, he heard the Lord say, I am the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. That's generational. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, not just one generation, but every generation. Moses trembled with fear and did not dare to look. Then the Lord said to him, take off your sandals, for the place where you are standing is holy ground. I have indeed seen, he saw, the oppression of my people in Egypt. I have heard, he heard their prayers, their groaning, and have come down to set them free. That's awesome right there. Man, God's coming to set them free. And then he says this, now come. 
I will send you back to Egypt. I think we always get excited about like the freedom part. You're going to set your people free, God. Yeah. Go, God. And he says, I'm sending you. You ever think about this, that sometimes you're the answer to your own prayers? Man, I just wish somebody would witness to my friend at my school. You could be the answer to your own prayers. He said that he was sending, he was sending him back. Moses had gotten out of Egypt. I grew up in a small little city in, in, in Washington, and, and when you got out of it, that's like an accomplishment. You know, it's like, it, it wasn't like your goal to get back. Even sometimes when I go, when I go back and I, I see friends, and if you're watching, I love you. It's awesome. We're streaming online. Um, I'm just not going back. All right? I just, it's just, it was good while it lasted. It was great memories, but, but, but I'm not, I'm out. I'm out. Moses was out. He was out on Egypt. He was out on his former life. And it says that God had heard their prayers. And so he said, I'm sending you back. Have you ever wondered or have you ever thought about uh, what your purpose is? You ever thought about that? Like, like what is, what's God's purpose for me? You know, our entire world is asking this question. Why am I here? You ever showed up at an event and you wonder, like, why, why am I here? I walked in, I was trying to walk into a wedding one time, and I walked into, and I can't pronounce it. I took Spanish lessons in between services, but I can't. But it's for a 15-year-old girl, and it's a Spanish, Hispanic ceremony. Got it. There it is. I knew you'd know. I walked in there, and I'm thinking, like, that girl looks too young to get married. I was in the wrong place. I'm thinking, why, why am I here? You ever felt like that? Like, like why, why am I here? If, if you search, like, how to find your purpose on Amazon, you'll find over 150,000 different books on how you can find your purpose. And I would imagine almost all of them have a different way. I was watching a TED Talk last night on how to find your purpose. I'm thinking, man, I'm, I'm going to watch this. And this guy says, I'm going to help you find the purpose of your life in five minutes. I'm thinking, now oh, this is going to be interesting. And I looked at the video, and the video was 10 minutes long. I thought, I already don't trust this guy. That's like, that's like you never trust a, trust a preacher that says in closing. Like that, that, that means like another hour, you know. Like you, can't, you can't trust that stuff. How to find your purpose. I want to talk about doing great exploits. And when I talk about great exploits, I'm talking about your assignment. And when I'm talking about your assignment, I'm talking about your purpose. We could use those words synonymously. Great exploits, assignment, and purpose. One of the most asked questions in our culture is, why am I here? Why am I here? It's not enough. Winston Churchill says this. It's not enough to have lived. We should be determined to live for something. I would think most of us in this room, we would agree with that. We got we, we to live for something. But I want to ask you this. How, how do you know what to live for? Like, how do you... How do you find that purpose? I'm some of you are young in the room and you're thinking like, man, what is my purpose? You're just dreaming. Some of you are older in the room and you're still wondering like, whoa, where is my, where's my purpose? Some of you have lived a lot. Some of you haven't lived that much. But everybody's asking the same question. What is my purpose? In verse 20 of our text, it says, at the time Moses was born, he was no ordinary child. I mean, you can take this a lot of ways. 
He was no ordinary child. I hope that when I was born, you know, my parents didn't say he was no ordinary child, like, in a bad way. I want to be, like, extraordinary, not like, ooh, he's different. You know, there's, there's a... There's a difference between the two. But said Moses was no ordinary child. He was not Egyptian enough to be with the Egyptians. And he wasn't Hebrew enough to be with the Israelites. He, he, he grew up in the Egyptian palace, but yet he had Hebrew blood. He grew up away from the Israelites, but yet he had some Israelite in him, but he never fit in. I want to tell you that not fitting in is a blessing. Not fitting in somewhere is God set up to set you apart so that he can do something powerful through your life. I'm telling you, when you don't fit into a circle or to a crowd, into a sphere of influence, is because God has chosen to set you apart because he has his hand on you. He's got his anointing on you, and he's calling you for a specific purpose. If, 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 if Moses would have fit in with the Egyptians, he would have never left Egypt. And if he would have fit in with the Israelites, then he would have never went back to Egypt. But God knew that if he fit in, it would rob him of his destiny, so he had to stand out. When God's about to do something powerful through your life, you're going to feel uncomfortable. You're going to feel like, I don't, I don't fit here, and I don't fit there. I don't fit with these people, and I, I don't fit with, with those people. Whenever you don't fit, you should get excited because God is trying to position you and train you and educate you for life's next great adventure. Exodus chapter 2, verse 3, is the same story in the book of Exodus. And it says that Moses was born, and, and, and his mom is, is, is trying to protect him because there is an, a slaughter of, of Israelite Hebrew children. And so she's trying to hide him, and she says this, Exodus chapter 2, verse 3, it says, But when she could hide him no longer. Can I just tell you some really good news? Is you can't hide greatness. You can hide it for a little bit, but you can't hide it for long. You, you can't hide your call for long. I'm going to tell you this. When God has his hand on you, it won't take long before he finds you. She said, I hid him as long as I could. But when she could hide him, no longer. I'm going to tell you today, or do my best to tell you what purpose is hidden in. What pur it, It's not going to be hidden for long. But I'm going to try to tell you what purpose is hidden in. Purpose is hidden in passion. Purpose is hidden in passion. Verse 23 said, when Moses was 40 years old, he decided to visit his own people, the Israelites. Now, I want you to just hear this. When he was 40, he had grown up with the Egyptians, but when he turned 40, he thought, you know, I should go check out, visit my own people. Where did he get that idea? Where did all of a sudden, Moses, who's living in the palace at 40 years old, wake up and think, I think I should probably visit my own people. I mean, where did, that, where did that idea come from? Another translation says it came into his heart to visit his people. Do you know how you can begin to find your purpose? Find what your heart longs for or breaks for. Find something that you're passionate about. Find something that you get excited about. Find something that, that, that you really feel strongly about. If you can identify your passions, you can find your purpose. If you can, hidden in, your, hidden in your passion is your 
purpose. If you know the story, and we read it, it says that when Moses came to, 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 to visit his people, he saw an Egyptian mistreating the Israelite. And the Bible says that we read, he killed that Egyptian. So it's crazy that Moses was trying to be a deliverer even before he was a deliverer. He had in his heart to deliver the Israelites even before it was time. So he had a passion for it, it just was the wrong timing. Did you know that the passions you have right now are the right passions? They could just be misdirected. It was the same passion that Moses had when he killed the Egyptian that helped him lead the people out of captivity and to the promised land. It was the same passion. It was just misdirected. I would imagine right now, whatever you were good, whatever you were good at before Jesus, some of you are like, oh, I don't talk about that. Hey, if you were a hustler before Jesus, you can be a hustler for Jesus. If, 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 if you had passion before Jesus, if you're the life of the party before Jesus, you're like, oh, I can't bring that type of party. You can be the life of the party for Jesus. It's the same passion. It's misdirected. And when you find your purpose, you understand that the passion that I used in the world was actually the passion God gave me. The passion that I used for selfish ambition was actually the passion God gave me. I just got to redirect it. When Moses' passion was directed wrongly, he killed someone. But when it was directed correctly, he delivered a nation. Your purpose is hidden in your passion. God always works in the context of the passions he has put in your heart. Passion, passion. Purpose is hidden in passion. Purpose is hidden in problems. It's exciting, isn't it? Your purpose is hidden in problems. It's said in verse 25, Moses thought that his own people would realize that God was using him to rescue them, but they didn't. This is a problem because he had just killed an Egyptian. He was trying to deliver the people before it was time. He had the right passion. He just had the wrong timing. And now he thought that they would recognize, I'm trying to help you. And he says they didn't. But his problem was a blessing in disguise because God knew that he wasn't strong enough to deliver the people of Israel yet. And God loved him too much to let him fail. And God loves you too much to let you fail. So sometimes he'll send problems your way and delays your way and inconveniences your way. Not because he's trying to make you trip up, but because he's trying to slow you up so that he can make sure when you get to the place that he's calling you, you can win. He loves you enough to move you slow. He loves you enough to lead you in the way that you can win. A problem is a blessing in disguise. Depending on how you respond to it, trouble will either train you or it will tame you. See, when people, when people hit trouble, they think maybe they're going the wrong way. When people hear opposition, they think, oh, maybe I, maybe I got this wrong. Oh, man, nobody, I'm passionate about it, but nobody likes what I'm doing. It must be not God. I must have missed it. I must have had the wrong idea. I must have, it must have just been in my head. No, your problem is your training ground. The opposite, we say this, where there's great opposition, there's great opportunity. Hidden in every opposing force is an opportunity for God to show up and to show off in your life. So when you encounter a problem, when Moses encountered a problem, he ran to the wilderness. He took off, but it was the wilderness that became the gem 
it became the training ground in which Moses got strong and encountered God. And then we picked it up and God sent him back. Without the wilderness, Moses would have never succeeded. And I would like to propose this to you. Without some of the problems that you've encountered in your life, you could never have the impact you're about to have. Without some of the pain that you've walked through, that you would never have the impact you're about to have. Without some of the life experiences that you have went through, as painful and as heartbreaking as they have been, they're training. Your trouble is your training for your purpose. Purpose is hidden in problems. In verse 29, it said, when Moses heard this, he fled, he ran to Midian, where he settled as a foreigner, and he had two sons. You know, this, this just really gets me, is people settle so quickly. You remember when you're young and you're just dreaming about changing the world? I mean, I, I used to, I, I remember when I first started ministry, I used to have old timers tell me all the time, oh, I used to have fire just like you, Sonny. Oh, I used to dream, oh, I was going to change the world. I'm like, well, what happened? What happened? Like, what are you, what are you doing now? <laughs> Sitting on the rocking chair. Like, what are you doing? Like, you gave up on the dream? Why? Because you hit a problem? You gave up on the ministry? Because you hit a problem. Did you think it was going to be easy? Did you actually think advancing the kingdom of God and overcoming the kingdom of darkness, did you think that was going to go unrivaled and it was going to go uh, like, like there's going to be no battle regarding? No, this is a fight. That's why Paul said fight the good fight of faith. A problem could be an indicator you're going the right way. Maybe it's not that you're going the wrong way. I was talking with a, a pastor friend of ours from Zambia, Africa this week, and, and he said, Dustin, he said, wherever there is life, there is noise. I thought, wow. Wherever there is life, man, I don't like that screaming and crying. Wherever there's life, there's noise. If you're encountering a problem and there's noise that's in your life, hidden in the noise is your purpose. Did you know that that's where purpose comes from? Solving problems. The business world gets this. That you know how you, you, you want to make some money? Find a problem, find a solution. If you can find a solution, if you can solve a problem with your business, you'll have all the money you need. Because that is what business is made of. It is made of problem solving. And if you can understand the problems are, are meant to stop you, but they're not from God to stop you, that the problems will actually educate you on what you need for the next level. You'll look at your problem differently. You'll look at your haters differently. You'll look at your betrayers differently. You'll look at all the opposing forces differently. And you can smile at someone and say, thank you. Because they're training you for what God has for you. You can smile at people that hate you and say thank you because they're training you. Your haters are elevating you. Your haters are preparing you for the great thing God has for you. They're trying to bring you down. But all they're doing is lifting you higher because it's training you how to win on another level. Your purpose is hidden in your problems. Your purpose is hidden in people. 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 This, 
this is what it says in verse 34. It says, I have indeed seen the oppression of my people in Egypt. I have heard their groaning and have come down to set them free. Now come, I will send you back to Egypt. I'm sending, I'm sending you. You ever been praying for your family? Careful. Because God's going to be like, oh, I heard, I heard the prayers. And I heard the groanings. I'm sending you. No, not me, Lord. Send Cousin Freddie, but touch him. You know what I'm saying? Like, they need you bad, but not me. He says, no, thank you. I've heard your prayers, and I'm sending you. Purpose is hidden in people. Whenever God hears a prayer or sees a need, he sends a man. Not, not like a male, but like humanity. When he wants to get it done, he sends a woman. Just joking. It worked all day. I thought I'd try it again. All the ladies like, yeah. Mm. About time. If your purpose doesn't lead to people, it's not purpose. We understand this in business. I'm just talking about this. We understand this in business. You know, without people, you, you, you can't have a business. You're like, well, I don't like people. I don't want to interact with people. I just want to work in my garage and work on cars. That's cool, but who drives cars? Just, man, I just, I'm just going to cook. I'm just going to cook. I'm going to make the best hamburgers. I'm just going to cook. I don't want to see people. Who eats? You, you can't get away from it. His purpose is connected to people in the world and in the kingdom is God's purpose always revolves and leads back to people. God said, Moses, my hand is on you. And Moses could have said, yeah, that's awesome. Thank you. I, I love your hand. The only reason God's hand was on him was to go and to reach people. The, the only reason God's given you purpose is for people. And you're not the people. When you become your purpose, you rob yourself and others from the gift of God that is in you. That's not purpose. It's selfish ambition if at the end of my existence I get to me. At the end of my existence I have to pour out for other. That's success. When I poured my life out for others, when I've given to others, my purpose, your purpose is people. It's, it's people. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 10 says, for we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works. We were created to do, we were created, we were made to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. God has good things for you to do that were prepared for you in advance. That he has already known that you would be here, that you would be here in 2020, that you would be here in this service. He knew it, and he prepared in advance things for you to do. Good works, good things for you to do. I think it's interesting that God calls Moses out, which Moses was so excited to get out, I bet. Man, he's like, I'm out of here now. He's settling in the wilderness, and it, and it, and it says that, that God called him back in. I want to give you a couple things about God's call. God doesn't draw you out to stay out. And I think for some of us, we're like so excited about getting out that we're never going back. 
Man, we are just disassociating ourselves with the pain that we felt in the past. We are disassociating ourselves with the people that we used to run with, that we used to hang out with, that we used to be with. And the church becomes a safe place. And we quarantine ourselves like there's coronavirus everywhere. And we're washing our hands and wearing our mask. And, and all, we're doing all that. But the gospel of Jesus is not for the saved. The gospel is for the lost. But if you're not careful, you will think that your purpose was to get out. But God never calls you out to stay out. Now, there's another layer to this. God doesn't call you back in to stay in. Now, this is what Christians do all the time. They say, well, well I'm a Christian, but God called me to reach the people that I came from. So I'm, I'm still hanging with my people. I'm still doing what they do because you got to like, you know, you kind of got to be like friends with them to reach them. What? Are you smoking? I am so sick of Christianity that is so watered down that we justify our own actions and our own living under the guise of, I'm trying to reach someone. You're reaching no one. Your compromise tells me that you really don't believe in the Savior that you talk about. When you begin to live righteous, and you begin to live holy, and you begin to love, and you begin to come out and be separate, that shows me there's something that you got that I need. If you become like me, why do I need what you have? Wow. Okay. We, we have so watered down the gospel to fit our lifestyle that now we think we're being righteous just to go out and to talk and to live and to be like the world. And we think that's the way to, that's the way to reach them. God didn't call you out to stay out. God didn't call you in to stay in. But there's another one. God sends you in. To bring them out. Honestly, if I could break down purpose, it's that. That God will send you in. What is he sending you into? What have you been through? Think about what pain you've been through. Think about what kind of crisis you've been through. Think about what seasons that you've walked through. You made it. You made it. And you're thinking about, what is the grand thing that I can, what is the great exploit that I can do for God? How about, how about this? How about you go back to people that survived the same thing you survived and tell them you can do it? Well, I don't know if that's like real purpose. No, that's real purpose. Real purpose is going back in to what you came out of and helping other people come out of it. If you really love people, if you really love others, if you really love the lost, if you really lost, love people that are struggling, you won't let them struggle and you be on the outside. This is what the church has done sometimes. We're on the outside and we look at people. You know, it, I don't know if you've ever seen somebody that's been drowning and they need help. The worst thing you could do is jump in the water and drown with them. But that's how the church thinks we should reach the world. Oh, they're doing that? Let's jump in with them. And now we're both drowning. No, they need someone that's willing to extend love and grace and power and encounter and relationship and help them out they don't need a buddy to drown with they need someone to help them out you know, I think the church has done kind of a bad job at times of loving others because I think the church we talked about this when we're talking about love our city the church has th thought they're the Holy Spirit so we're here to convict people oh how are you living what are you doing? 
Who are you with? Where did you go? Oh, and we try to, we try to get in their business. But you know what? The Holy Spirit is the great convictor. Do you know what the church should be? It should be a body of believers so full of love and grace, so full of energy because of the purpose of God that says, I got compassion for you because I went through that. Did you ever have a bad day? Did you ever have a season when you walk away from the Lord? Did you ever have a season when you did something you shouldn't have done? Then we should have some grace for other people that are in the same struggle and extend a hand of love and compassion and say, we're with you. We believe in you. You can do it. You're all right. This is a safe place for you. This is home for you. You're going to be all right. I was there, and God helped me out. He'll help you out too. And maybe we shouldn't give up on people as quick as we give up on them because you never know what they need, and you never know what God's going to do. Maybe your purpose is helping someone that gave up on everyone. But you were there. To help them out. God sends you in to bring others out. You know what's crazy is Moses' name, it means drawn out. His name means drawn out. You know what? God loved you so much that he drew you out of whatever tried to hold you. Whatever tried to take you out, whatever tried to hurt you, he says, I love you so much. I'm going to save you. But he never saves us so that we can be a trophy. He saves people to be deliverers. Well, I'm not a pastor. No, you're not. But you're a Christian. Well, I'm not a preacher. No, you're not. But you have a story. Well, I don't, I don't, I don't talk so well. Neither did Moses. But God still used him. I think sometimes we think great exploits look like great popularity or great influence or great show. I think great exploits are great obedience. I think great exploits are great compassion. I think great exploits is great love. I think great exploits is great humility. It says I'm not above or beyond falling or needing help or needing a hand so i'm here the bible says comfort others with the comfort that you have been comforted with what's a great exploit a great exploit is finding your purpose what's finding your purpose finding your purpose is going back to seasons that you've walked through and helping people walk through them Years ago, I was 19 years old, and I was going through this season. I was stepping into ministry, and I had a bunch of leadership burdens on me, and I was really getting stuck in just like religious mindsets. I was thinking if I, if I prayed more, and I, and I gave more, and I did more, I was striving, and I was hard on myself. I would be more anointed, and I could do more, and I started to feel down. I started to even think crazy thoughts, like, because I had a God encounter when I was 16. God began to use me when I was 16 years old. I began to preach when I was 16. Now at 19, I'm thinking, I'll never have the anointing I had when I was 16. Crazy stuff. I've done, I've done this, or I've done that, or I failed to do this, or I didn't do this, and I got caught in this religious thing, and I started to think like God using me like barely was okay. I started to settle, and I was reading one day in Acts chapter 13, verse 36, it says this, now when David had served God's purpose in his own generation, he fell asleep. That means he died. When David had served God, not his purpose, God's purpose in his generation, then he died. 
And the Holy Spirit began to speak to me that it doesn't matter how much you've done or haven't done, how much you do or don't do. It doesn't matter how old you are or how young you are. It only matters one thing. One thing matters if you've got breath in your lungs. If you have breath, that means God still has purpose. If you have breath, that means God's not done. It doesn't matter how old or how much you've done or how much you haven't done. If you're breathing, if you're sucking oxygen in this room right now, then God has a plan for you. God has a purpose for you. God has something for you to do. Some of you think God has forsaken you or you've been too bad or you are beyond the hand of God. No, if you're breathing this air, God still has a purpose for you. When David had served his purpose in his generation, then he fell asleep. Your purpose is found in your passion. It's hidden in your passion. It's, it's hidden in the problems, it's hidden in people. If you are your purpose, you will never be fulfilled. If you're building your business for you, you will never be fulfilled. If whatever you put your hand to, if you're doing it for you, there will always be a part of you that is unsatisfied and discontented. It is only when we apply our life to others that you begin to be satisfied. There's a study done by some of the some of the wealthiest people in the world and they were trying to gauge their level of happiness. So they got all the money in the world, they're wealthy, they can do whatever they want with when, when whenever they want. And, and, and they wanted to gauge their happiness. It was sad because most of them were not happy. But the common thread that they found throughout the ones that f would consider themselves joy-filled or happy was that what they did, they did for others. Do you, do you know what our culture tells us? You're not happy? Take care of you. You don't like life? Just tap out for a little bit. Take a couple years off. Oh, just, just shut yourself in. Like, if people stress you out, don't be around people. You know what I would tell you? The exact opposite. You're discouraged? Get out of your dark room. Get out in Oak Cliff and feed some people. Get out of whatever you've been in and help somebody. Get out your phone and go through your contacts and start texting people encouragement. Start calling people you haven't talked to and encourage them and pray for them. And don't talk about your problem. And don't tell them anything about yourself. Just say, I wanted to call and tell you that there's hope for you. I wanted to go. I hear you breathing on the phone. If you've got breath, God has purpose. And watch what God does in your life because God created us to be fulfilled when we're helping others. Great exploits. You can't separate great, great exploits from people. You cannot separate God's assignment from people. You can't separate your purpose from people. Thanks for listening to the Church 1132 broadcast. You can join us live every Sunday during our worship experience or at church1132.com.